Welcome back to Meet at the Quarterback, the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Harrison. I'm Andrew. My I'm God. Austin. Messy, messy. That's all right. That's fine. We're going to keep it because it's fitting to who the Vikings are right now. The Vikings are super messy. This podcast Now my speaker's all messed up. Super messy. Okay. We have Hayes talking over me, Rochelle in the background, spitting nonsense, Andrew not knowing his name. It's fine. It's fitting to the start of the 2023 season. It's okay. Yeah. Right, guys? Yes. Um, we are recapping the Thursday night football game against the Eagles a few days later now, which is actually okay because we have now seen every team in the NFC North lose today. Mm-hmm. That's that's I don't want to say huge, but that's nice to see that you know hypothetically <clears throat> we win next week. It's very likely we could be one a one and two and tied for first place in the NFC North exactly. because uh, the Packers played the Saints, which obviously the Saints have yet to play um, this, this week, week, but. I believe they're one and oh they won their first game. Correct. So and they play the Panthers, who I don't think are going to be very good. So it's very likely the Saints could be two and oh playing a one and one Green Bay. So let's say the Saints win. Packers are one and two. Bears played the Chiefs, so Bears will be 0 three. And the yep. Lions play the uh two and Falcons. Yes, yes, two and all Falcons. So, like I said. Looking forward, though, we're going to talk about the Eagles game here. We could be tied for first in the NFC North after three weeks with a one and two record. Yeah. So, repeat of the AL Central, potentially. A total. It definitely could be. Yeah. Because it has not been a good start thus far. So, we'll get into it. We've had enough time to debrief the Thursday night game. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of negatives. But there are some positives and silver linings and things we can, you know, look with an optimistic lens, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll start right away with the negatives. So we lost 38-24, or I'm sorry. uh, 34-28. 38. 34-28. We are now 0-2 in one-score games after being 11-0 in one-score games. So quite the shift of the narrative. Um, Unfortunately, yes. But from my perspective, we really lost that game because we turned the football over four times. Yeah. It's it's the exact same reason you lost week one. Yep, the exact same reason you lost week one. Three turnovers in the first half week one, three turnovers in the first half week two and in both those games it was still a one score game going into the half so they had opportunities multiple times and yeah turnovers were the reason you lost yet again and seven turnovers in the first two games they didn't have seven turnovers last year until october 30th which was week eight and we saw they were six and one going into that game so turnovers are huge say that say that sad again again hayes we did not have seven turnovers until week eight 
Week eight. Yep. October 30th. The Cardinals, they committed their seventh weeks. turnover. Exactly. Yeah. So you see the difference between winning one score games and losing one score games. The fact it was a one score game against a team as good as the Eagles and you turn the ball over four times on the road that's too. on the road as well. Um, yeah. So I guess that that'd be the one silver lining there is yeah. you turn the ball over four times and you still found a way to be competitive. Agreed. And I think that's, that's what allows us to keep this optimistic lens is the fact that you turn the ball over that many times and you lose by a single score. <clears throat> I mean, we had, the the chances were very little, but we did have the, the ball with one score on the final play of the game. Again, it was one single shot downfield, but we shouldn't have even had an opportunity to, to tie the game when you give up, when you turn the ball over four times. Yeah. No, so. you, you shouldn't have, and you had a shot, yeah, like you said, at the end of the game, and I know people have said the Jefferson play was a big one. I think that was a big play. Um, but I think any other person in his shoes would have done the same thing. Um, especially how bad they've been on the goal line in recent recent history. It was, I'm just going to try to score right now. Um, but KJ Osborne had a horrible game. <laughs> horrible. And yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Because I would uh, imagine we all have him as a disappointment for the game against the Eagles listed as a yeah. disappointment. So, Hey, uh, uh, Andrew, do you want to add any negatives um, from the, from the Eagles Vikings game that we did not really already discuss? The run game on both sides was terrible and also cost you the game. Cause on one side, you couldn't um, get the run going at all. Nine for sure. It was what total stats. We had like 28 rushing yards. Yeah. 28 on nine carries. Um, and that obviously led to a huge differential in the time of possession. I think they had 10 more times or 10 more minutes, which is huge. Like huge. A large, large amount of time um, for an NFL game. And then obviously on the other side of the ball, you could not stop the run to save your life. Every play was three to five yards. It wasn't necessarily huge gains, but it was enough to gain first downs and score touchdowns every time. And even um, the clock significantly. Yeah. I think a major part of that was personnel, but also um, some of the defensive play calling. Cause you, like you need to, I think the biggest part is personnel because you just don't have the guys up front to get it done. I'm really on both sides. Um, But especially on defense where your best player or best run stopper is Harrison Phillips and he's not even that good. Yeah. I mean, was was correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even believe Phillips was really starting much in Buffalo. I have no idea. So either you know, we went from a essentially a backup nose tackle uh in Buffalo to now a full time kind of your number one run stopper. Yeah. Uh here as here with uh as a Viking and it's showing that it's clearly not enough. No, oh, yeah. And I think that falls on Quasi again, not filling the holes necessary in the offseason. His big addition in the D-line was Dean Lowry. He's horrible. <laughs> he cannot stop the run to save his life. Um, and I think, like, yeah, the, the run defense is, was a huge, huge worry. And the thing, the difference between the run defense being horrible and the turnovers causing you the loss um, is you can fix turnovers. 
I don't yeah. think they can fix how bad this run defense is. It's going what to is, be a serious issue all year. Yeah. And it's 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 tough because the run defense was actually really good against the Bucks. Granted, yeah. I think it shows that clearly the Eagles run offense is far superior than the Bucks, but I mean it was like a completely different team defensively against the Eagles than what we saw against the Buccaneers just four days prior. And that's yeah. I think what is confusing. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to explain it. it. Obviously, it's short rest. That can pay pay a factor. But to be so to, – to, to literally just be so bad against the run where you knew they were running it up the middle and you knew the Eagles were going to pick up six yards almost every time they touched it. And they had, what, 60 rushing yards? It was it, – yeah, it was like watching – it was literally like watching the Gophers' offense last year where they would run it with the same running back 40 times a game, pretty much until the running back screwed up. But this time the Eagles running back never screwed up. He just kept smashing it down the Vikings defense's throat. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, Andrew, Andrew's the one that that struck this conversation, but yeah, the run defense was definitely one of the most significant negatives that we saw on Thursday night. Um, Yeah. I mean, 260 rushing yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift put on a career day with 175 rushing yards. Um, I believe he averaged, Andrew shared, like 40 yards a game last year. Mm -hmm. And he put up essentially four times that amount on on Thursday. So, yeah, definitely – the run defense, the run offense, Madison looked rough. I think we only ran the ball a total of 10 times, so actually even less than what we did last year. And as we said in the pregame, you have to run the ball more to be competitive. But granted, uh, every time we ran the ball was either a fumble or a negative play. So um, you can't do much with that. It, it it gets you really nervous about what Madison can be like when obviously he's not getting a ton of carries yet, but the fumbles are a huge issue and he does not have the vision like Cook had to find those holes. He And, and obviously, yes, yet again, the offensive line sucks. Gary Bradbury was probably one of your better run blockers. That's what he's known for is being a run blocker and he's already he's out. out. Yeah. So it's it's really it's tough it's tough to really have a huge full season outlook on how this team will be able to change things around um but the run game on both sides of the ball yeah i i don't know how you change it they're not either at the moment um but i guess let's 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 stick on the negatives for the time being and then we can you know transition into the positives or the silver linings or the optimistic approach. So who did you guys have or what things did you see as sort of like the biggest disappointments on Thursday? Like we've said, the, the run defense, the run offense, I think no. balls you get again on coaching. Um, I, I think the, the play calls weren't great. I think um, th- those, those were big things. Um, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say the, the coaching yet again. Yep. Yeah, those are good ones. 
Go ahead. I guess, yeah, I would, coaching somewhat. Um, but the biggest thing was obviously the turnovers, because you even even if you cut those in half, you have a ten times better chance of winning that game. Yep. And I mean, as much as you guys want to defend Jefferson, and I don't, I don't think he was in the in the wrong or like I know majority of guys would do that but that was like a giant huge uh, giant play in the game I mean you go into halftime up by four with the ball to start the second half um when your offense finally started to get rolling instead you're down by six um with the ball still but I feel like that was one of the bigger parts of the game and I mean yeah four turnovers in the first half you guys already kind of talked a lot about it but there are some positives but also I think this team just is like a lot sloppier than last year and I'm sure that is missing some of the veteran players as old and declining as they were they were probably a little bit smarter um yep. but yeah you just can't can't turn the ball over that much especially in those certain areas of the game like inside uh really the one yard line with 30 seconds left in the half to take the lead, but and, also and honestly, uh, honestly, most of the turnovers fall on coaching. Cause it's not like any of our veteran players that departed us were on the offensive side of the ball. You had Thielen and I can't imagine Thielen's making much of an impact on, I don't think having Thielen would have allowed us to not turn the ball over four times on Thursday. Um, so really it comes down to the fact that I think KOC so far has been unprepared now back-to-back weeks. And yep. I think, I think that goes on coaching any of your starters play any of preseason is yep. also showing that. I mean, yep. three turnovers and a half in back-to-back weeks is huge. I mean, we share the steps. If you turn the ball, uh, over three times at least in an entire game, it's like a 10% chance of winning. So if you do that in a half, I would imagine that it's probably the same, but I mean, thankfully we're not turning the ball over nearly as much in the second half, but you you are bearing yourself a pretty significant hole when you turn the ball over that many times uh, to start the game. It's It, it makes you have to play perfect football, which yep. is what they had to do all of last year. And it goes down to the point of you cannot play perfect football every single game. And somehow they were able to last year in the key moments, they played perfect football this year. They're not, you're not having the game winning drive by Kirk every single game. You're not having the miracle catches by Justin Jefferson every single game. I think, yeah, it falls on coaching. I think it falls on crazy, crazy, not filling holes. Another guy I'd like to bring up is Christian Derrissa. He was said, he said he was going to play. He suited up and he was so scared of re-injuring that ankle that he decided to sit out. And that caused them uh, having to play Ole Udo, having to play Blake Rendell. Because now Ole Udo's out for R.I.P. Ole Udo. Ole Udo's career is now over. Yep. Um, and it happened. For um, better or for worse? <laughs> honestly, I don't know. But you notice it in that play. He gets absolutely destroyed. Kirk gets hit on the blind side. And the fumble fumble happens, and just like that, when it's a 13-7 game, you have the ball right out of half. Now the Eagles have the ball in the red zone with a chance to go up two scores, and that's because Andarasal was too scared to to test out that ankle. Yep. So there's a that that doesn't fall on Ole Udo, that falls on Christian Darasaw, 
Well, kind of being weak so far his career. I got I got a hot take for you boys. Okay. I would pay Kirk Cousins money before I would pay Christian Darrisaw money. Uh, that's definitely a hot take. <laughs> I don't know if I'd I'd love to say yes, um, but just the difference in age is so so large. Think about it, though, Kirk is putting up career numbers so far to start this season career numbers last year he has not missed a single game due to injury during his is this his fifth or sixth year as a viking sixth year as a viking he has not missed a single game through five plus seasons as a viking darisaw is currently on pace of just playing 75 percent of the time Mm-hmm. He played 12 games his first year, 14 games his second year. He's already now missed one game this year. Um, so hot take, I would pay money for to to keep Kirk Cousins for a two, three-year deal than I'd pay for Christian Darasai, who will maybe give you 70% of, you know, really good games. Yeah, I I don't I don't hate that by any means. It's not a horrible thing to say because yeah, Darius's inconsistent play is getting to be really, really annoying. And this one was the worst. I understand you can't play on a concussion. That just makes sense. Oh, yeah. I understand yep. that. But when you have an ankle injury, an ankle injury where you were limited in practice, and an ankle injury where you were cleared by the professional people who look over your health and you still choose not to play, that's not be that that's because you are you, just, you don't you don't have a yeah you're scared and you just don't have a willingness to be tough and fight through it um and that was a huge him not playing was huge marcus davenport another great signing by quasi giving him 13 million dollars one year <laughs> he won't be back next year unless he has a phenomenal rest of the season yeah but him right away he's he's off to a phenomenal start as a viking and I mean, again, we will shift into the positives here shortly. But if we want to keep on sort of the so far quasi disappointment, Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth Jr. combined for a total of zero defensive snaps in the game. Keep in mind, a Caleb Evans left at moments due to kind of like being shaken up. Josh Metellus left at moments due to being shaken up. So that means your third second and third string D-backs were not your second or first round pick from just a year ago. Let that sink in. That shows that now two years into their NFL career, they're not even backup status. I heard something that said Lewis seen was, and I understand he's coming off that broken leg and that's a tough injury to come back from, but he was so bad in training camp that if he was not guaranteed to be on this team for for the three years after this year, they would have cut him in the offseason. He was so bad in training camp. He barely was the fifth safety. So um, the fact he can't even come in over Theo Jackson to play, or credit Theo Jackson, who had the highest PFF on the defense, I believe, um, on Thursday night, he came in and put up some really good plays. Um, But Lewis seen horrible, bust. Andrew Booth Jr., garbage I think it's too, too early to put that title on those guys i think we can i'm doing it right now okay wow andrew booth jr bust ed ingram bust the uh uh who else is a bust who else is a bust jalen Naylor bust aziz okay. ot whatever the crap his name is that the linebacker he drafted in the fifth round last year bust he has not he has hit on one 
he has hit one time in his in his two years. I, I'm serious. Uh, it's Jordan Addison. I will not allow if I'm the Wilfs, I would not allow Quasi to get a third draft. Wow. I would not allow it because he has claimed his entire time that he is not a football guy. He doesn't know football. He's all about analytics. You have to know football to be a general manager in the NFL. He does not know football. He does not know what it takes to be a football player. And the idiots around him who claim to be football people is the moron who was the general manager of the Colts, Had who, who you could easily say ruined Andrew Luck's career because he put together such a terrible offensive line. Um, so, no, I, I truly – where I'm at with Kwesi is he sees through the, the regular season – um, and you don't allow him to have another draft. So He's are you saying like advice. he just doesn't get the decision to draft players? Or you're saying like legit He's right. I would fire him, yes. Wow. Okay. Andrew, thoughts? I think He's that's a an aggressive. aggressive take. Um, I want you to give me one thing. One thing he's done in his in his two drafts and now two off seasons with the team that has impressed you. I would say it's it's way too early to tell. For he's no a... longer a little rookie anymore. He's coming up on almost two years with the team. No, I mean Caleb no, Evans. He's coming up on a little over a year. Okay, that's not true. He was signed in February of 2022. He's coming up. He's well over a year and a half into his tenure with the Vikings. Okay, but he really did not make any moves until April of 2022. He's more than a year and a half into his time as the Vikings. Andrew, what were you going to say? Well, Hayes said, name one thing that's impressed you. I'd say Jordan Addison. I'd say Makai Blackman, Ivan Pace Jr., who's played extremely well. Um, the trade for TJ Hawkinson, I think, was a really good one. There we go. That's I'll give you credit on that. The trade for TJ Hawkinson was a great was one. That, that was a very a good great trade. one. I will 100% give you credit on that. I think the other three... Way too early. They've played two games in the NFL. Jordan Addison. Oh, okay, so if it's too one. early, if it's too early to say that they've been good, it's way too early to say certain people have been bad. Not the 2022 draft class. The 2022 draft sure. class was bad. So far, yes. No, and it's just it's it's. I truly don't see any of those guys panning out to have a, a career past their rookie contract. None of them. Not even not just for the Vikings in the NFL. No, I, I would agree at the moment. And I'll also say, I understand drafting Lewis scene. Okay. Or I understand how it, uh, I, I guess I'm not, I'll take that. Just forget what I just said there, but he had an opportunity to draft Kyle Hamilton um, with the 10th overall pick. Kyle Hamilton's now one of the top safeties in the league with Baltimore. He had an opportunity to do that. He made the decision to trade back with an interdivision team, go there, draft Lewis scene, and then draft Andrew Booth Jr., Two horrible picks, and that's because he decided to trade back. Yeah, but so, I would say in his defense, his second draft already looks quite a bit better. Um, plus, he came in. In what way? Jordan Addison and I, I guess maybe Makai Blackman? Just chill for one second. He came in, and two months later, he had to do the draft. So, like, he's not going to have all – like, I mean, I was listening to Purple Daily, and they were making good points about he's not going to have all his – he wasn't ready necessarily for the draft. So to judge him off his first draft and already be like, okay, bus, 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 he needs to lose his job. I just think that's insane. Um, so good point. when you come no in sense. as a general manager, the other people around you 
who are part of the organization had been there before. They take some of Spielman's notes. They take some of the notes that have already been there and the and the scouts that have already been there looking over the guys before. He had people who had been scouting the 2022 draft class for months. So I would not say his two months to prepare for the draft. That's not true. He had more than two months through the other people that have been scouting for a while. Yeah. But then why 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 should Quazy lose his job if he's sort of going off of all these experts' opinions? My my huge thing with it is the idea of he is not a football guy. He sure. doesn't know football. And I think it's very important to have a guy who knows football. You know, people said, would you rather have Rick Spielman or, or Quazy Adolfo Mensa as the general manager right now? I would go with Spielman. <laughs> in the sense of I'm more confident having a year a ago guy. a year ago you were calling for, or two years ago you were calling for Spielman's head no I wasn't yeah you hated Spielman I, I don't remember ever mm, I do Spielman. I do I remember it I think you got to give guys I think you get three years to figure it out but are you going to risk it an entire another draft I think I, I don't think it's a risk I think you give them a third opportunity to especially especially if this second draft pans out much more than than his first draft which so far i mean his his first round pick is already close to starting games he's playing in 65 to 70 percent of snaps um you have undrafted free agents that are starting you have third round late third round picks that are making pretty nice defensive plays um so that's three guys right there in just his second go around um, imagine what happens in his third go around. I, I just think you have to allow someone the opportunity um, for three draft picks to get better. Uh, okay, I understand that. I guess yeah, maybe maybe allow him one more draft. Um, then, but I've uh, been... I would one hundred percent agree. If the third go, he's making all these weird hipster mm -hmm. decisions yeah. of trading back and getting rid of your you know, second round pick for four fourth round picks that are just weird. Like, yes, yeah. at that point, it's like, okay, this isn't working. It's not worth it. Um, I've just been very disappointed so far with his agreed. lack of being in key positions in the offseason. And you're seeing how detrimental that's been so far um, with the things we've already mentioned. So that's just my big thing is people don't realize, yes, it falls on coaching and all this other stuff, but it also falls on the front office and their inability to, to fill necessary holes. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. I, was I a little aggressive? Yes, I was a little bit too aggressive. <laughs> you don't have to fire him right now. But I, I don't know if I want to give him a whole another year. I think if he has a bad draft and a bad offseason, you could see him maybe fired next July. No one fires well, the GM in I think again, I think he gets one more full season and then it's a it's a we'll we'll pin this conversation and make sure we talk about it again in January of 2025 and see uh see what our 2024. Are. 2024. But then he doesn't have an opportunity for a third draft class. It'll just be a very interesting off season because there's gonna okay. be some holes we have to fill this off season. So we're gonna see how he does and that's why that's another and, thing. And, I, I, and his, I would agree with you that so far, none of his off-season signings have been impressive. Byron Murphy Jr., very average. Marcus yeah. Davenport has not played. I don't, I don't know why you're saying that. Has Murphy Jr. impressed you so far in the first two games he's played? Yeah, he has. How? 
in his coverage. How was Marcus Davenport impressed you the first two games? Did I say Dean Lowry? I don't think they're all terrible signs, but I don't think he should. The last person is Byron Murphy, who's been playing quite well. I mean, just naming the three signings that he made. He only signed what maybe Byron Murphy, who hasn't been bad at all. I think he's been fine. Has not been been average. Yeah, he's been average. He hasn't been a standout guy. Been ten times better than the last cornerbacks we've had for the last three years. Bring me back to Duke. He's free go out there. Kiss. There's a reason the why office. Duke Shelley is. So go kiss every person in the front office. Um. All right. Let's shift into some positives here. Okay. Jay Jets, despite the fumble, is amazing. Yes. He had, I believe, 120 receiving yards. 11, 11 catches or something about that. I should have the stats. I yards for 11 catches. Say that again, girl. 11 catches for 159 receiving yards. Okay. So, again, just making big, big plays, getting the ball. Um, he just – Look dominant out there. I I would say silver lining. I didn't think the play calling was great, but I would say it was significantly better than a week ago. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you uh, Jefferson was not MIA in the second half. Um, I thought Hawkinson played better. They used Hawkinson's strengths to it uh, an advantage. We didn't see nearly as many disgusting short little tight end screens. Yep. Um. We didn't see play actions that clearly were just fake because the run game wasn't working. Um, you saw it more deep throws to Jefferson and Addison. And, um, you know, the last minus, you know, the final Hail Mary throw, your last two offensive possessions ended in touchdowns. So I thought the play calling was much better than a week ago. Still not perfect. Um and, I mean, one of your offensive drives ended with one play, two plays, ended in fumbles in the first series. So how much can you work with when you're turning the ball over? It's so like we didn't even get to see as many offensive snaps or offensive app- opportunities um, for KOC to make play calls. So um, I don't know. I, I was more impressed – with the fact that there are calls being made to give the ball to your star players. Yeah. No, I agree. It was more designed plays to get the ball to Jefferson a lot. Um, I think, though, how banged up this Eagles defense was to have not taken as many deep shots as they did is disappointing. Andrew and I both said it in the pregame. Um, the secondary is really banged up. They got even more banged up. I think they lost a corner in the middle of the game, maybe a safety too. They were out like five defensive starters at one point. Um, and the offense still had a really hard time getting it going until middle of the third quarter, if not even yeah. the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, and again, part of it was the fact that you barely had the ball. Yeah. The Eagles were going on super long seven plus minute drives. No, that that is true. The time of possession was a joke. Um, Daniel Hunter had three sacks. <laughs> that is that was good. Um, Ivan Pace had a pretty good game again. Um, 
and I don't have a lot of positive. Kirk Cousins played pretty outstanding. I'd I was say. gonna say we gotta shut out Kirk. Um, I mean, if you saw Colin Coward on Friday said that it just there's or night games just weren't for Kirk Cousins because he stinks in them, and it's just one of those things where it's been the constant narrative of him for year after year after year, and the the com the whatever they're called analysts are so lazy now that they don't have to watch the games but just come with the same takes and yep. that is frustrating as a fan and as someone who does think Kirk Cousins is better than what obviously national media perception has. Um but yeah none of the I guess one of the fumbles was on Kirk but that also came after a sack which um again his offensive line played better I'd say than the week before but still not perfect allowing quite a bit of pressures. Um, but no, on a Thursday night game in Philly against a pretty good defense, really good defensive line, I'd say he played pretty outstanding. And, I mean, that's obviously a huge part to have Jefferson. That helps a big part. Yeah. Um, and, obviously, I think Addison's been a great addition. And I hope KJ Osborne doesn't see the uh, football field for about two weeks. Well, one thing I wanted to also add, I mean, Kirk Cousins' final numbers was about 300 60 passing yards he had, there were three drops that i remember kj had two and i'm almost positive madison dropped a easy screen that would have been probably 10 to 15 yards so kirk very well could have had an additional 40 passing yards so thursday night football he could have been i wrote it down 34 of 44 with close to 400 yards and four touchdowns and not a single pick mm-hmm. yeah and if i Jefferson... don't think doesn't fumble at the goal line, he could have five passing touchdowns. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, and it's one of those things where people talk about quarterback wins, but it's like Kirk played substantially better than Jalen Hurts did. And Jalen Hurts gets to leave with a win because Jalen Hurts gets pushed into the end zone by his offensive line and gets to sit back there and just hand the ball off all game. Um, so that's, that's just, yeah. It was frustrating to waste such a good Kirk Cousins performance. Yeah. Agreed. Um, team is very similar to the 2021 team so far. Because um, we've all said how Kirk Cousins is going to put up these phenomenal numbers and go like 8 and 9 or like 7 and 10. And, but he, uh, he's also not really, he's not doing it in like garbage time. That's the thing. It's like, I feel like with the only difference is in 2021, he would, you know, I say like 60 to 70% of his yards would come in that final drive. When you're already down by three scores, but if you think about though, even that I get what you mean, Hayes. Those first two games you played the Bengals, where Cook fumbled, oh, uh, right before we were about to kick the field goal, and then we played the Cardinals, where Greg Joseph missed the game-winning field goal. That's right. And then you, yeah, you just had some. I would say the team is probably better than 2021. Yeah. But so the start has definitely been very similar. Exactly, and and the final and six of their final seven losses in 2021 were one-score losses, and you've already seen this year, two one-score losses. So you hope it doesn't go down that same trend where you're just losing these one-score games, and it's because of sloppiness. Um, but that's the fear so far. Yeah, I also think that was the year that the uh, defense gave up, like, six rushing touchdowns to Elvin Kamara on Christmas. It was, yeah. So yeah, run defense is still bad. Two points to the Saints on Christmas. Let's hope, let's hope it's not the case. Exact same year. Um, we might see NFC North is similar to the AL Central. 
I mean, maybe maybe a ten and seven could win the division. I think a ten and seven could win the division. Um, the Lions, though, were competitive today and could have easily come out with the win. Um, but they same didn't. as the Packers, and they didn't. Yes. <clears throat> so, but they didn't get destroyed by these two teams. Both were one score losses. Yeah. So ours though. That is true. This week was basically a wipe for the whole division. I mean, everyone lost. So you just got to go win next week and the week after, and you'll lose to the Chiefs, but win <laughs> surprises with one of those games, either Chiefs or 49ers. If you could win one of those, that would be insane. 49ers, yeah. I believe, barely beat the – was it the – who Rams. were they playing today? The Rams. They, beat yeah, the they Rams barely beat today. the Rams. Seven, yep. But it was close for a good chunk of it. It was, yeah. Um, but unlike the Vikings, they came through at the time needed and got the big turnovers and all that crap. Yeah, but that was us last year. So we just have to be better this year. Yeah. So, all right. Um, quick update on our predictions from last week. Hayes, you got one right. Do you remember which one that would be? Uh, no. You predicted a first drive JJ touchdown. Wrong. You predicted a clean game from the offense. Two or fewer penalties or turnovers. That was also wrong. But you said the defense would produce three or more sacks. That was correct, which brings your total of predictions. You are three for six so far this year. 50%. 50%. Andrew, you were 0 for 3. Wow. <laughs> you predicted JJ and Addison touchdowns. You only had an Addison oh. touchdown. You predicted the Vikings uh, to have two turnovers. They only had one. And that TJ would have over 100 receiving yards, and he had 66. So, so far, you are one for six in predictions. Wow. Nice job. And best for last, I got two correct this week. I had Kirk would throw over 350 yards and three touchdowns. He went 359 and four touchdowns. And I said the defense will record their first turnover of the season in the first half. And that also happened. I was wrong by the Josh Oliver touchdown. Hawkinson yeah. took both of our tight end touchdowns. So I could have gone three for three if just one of those two tight end touchdowns went to Josh Oliver. So Hayes, you and I are tied through two weeks with three of six predictions. Andrew, you're in dead last with one. Ouch. And so far we are all 0-2 in record predictions. Yeah. Just like, unfortunately, the Vikings. But we will record and talk and post the Vikings Chargers pregame Tuesday night and get out on Wednesday so people will have a full, you know, almost five, four or five days to prep and get excited for the Chargers game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, I mean, the Lions play an undefeated Falcons team. The Packers could potentially play an undefeated Saints team. And I mean the Bears, Bears play the Chiefs. Chiefs. <laughs> they will get they will get destroyed. 
Yeah, I would be shocked if all of a sudden every team is one and two by the end of this because I can't possibly see the Bears beating the Chiefs. So, you know, season's far from over. Thankfully, the NFC North is not very good. The NFC as a whole is not very good. Um, it's you know, a must-win game next week, though, for both it teams is. playing, so it should be interesting. Yeah. And, again, think of it. You don't turn the ball over. You play clean football. We are, I don't say easily, but likely 2-0. Yes. Which is shocking considering one of those games was on the road against Philadelphia. Yeah. So, we got this, boys. Stay optimistic. And the Bengals are 0-2, so. Misery loves company. Yes. Um, this is Meet at the Quarterback, a Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Harrison. I'm Hayes. I'm Andrew. Skull Bikes.